Amen. Can I hear an amen this morning? Come on, can I hear an amen this morning that Jesus is with you? Amen. 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 <laughs> it's a great truth, isn't it? Welcome, Jeff. Welcome, Keith. Thanks for joining the Coast Community Conversations. I'm really glad you could join us. Yeah, Andrew gets the day off today. He's kind of just chilling in the front row. So we've got Larry, Moe and Keith. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Keith, I'm glad you can join us. Um, if you haven't been keeping up, maybe if you haven't, I encourage you to get on our YouTube channel. We've been looking at different conversations that we want to have as a community of people around what this community of believers looks like going forward as we continue to move into this new season, hopefully post-COVID. I think we're nearly post-COVID unless something crazy happens. Because it's been a very good time for us as a leadership team to ask some very big questions. And my hope actually is that every person in the life of Coast Community in this time actually asks some very deep questions about who we are, what is, what is family, what does life look like, what decisions do we need to make, what needs to change, what needs to stay the same. My hope is that as families we are doing that. And as this family, as Coast Community, we wanted to do that also. And so very early on in the piece, probably from late April, we started asking those questions, didn't we? Yeah. And it was interesting as we engaged with God in a discernment process, what things kind of rose to the surface. Do you want to give us a bit of a summary where we're up yeah. to, and so, to today? And, and it's the last couple of weeks we've kind of been retracing mm. uh, those, those themes that have been emerging. And so... Four weeks ago, we, we spoke about this notion of being, of being others-focused, and it was a fairly confronting thing, you know, just recognising, you know, to what, to what degree have we made church and the gathering, gathering and the Christian life um, about me? And yet, you know, COVID kind of peeled the lid off that and, and really uh, prompted us to be paying attention to Scripture and, and looking out for, for one another. And so being others-focused emerged as probably that, that first idea. And, and then really connected with that was the centrality of discipleship. So just this idea that if the church exists for anything, it, it is to be and to go and make disciples. And are we doing that? Are we, are we taking responsibility for our own discipleship? And are we responding to the call that is on every single one of us to go and make disciples? New, new disciples. So others focused, discipleship is central. And then last week we, we, we explored this blatantly obvious idea that that, that matters most in our homes mm. and in our families. Um, we, we really need to pay attention to our own households, whatever that might look like, as this primary domain of, of discipleship. And so then, you know, that leads us into what we're going to be talking about today mm. and th and this is going to be you know this idea of, of consumerism we know that that the church is not immune to being influenced by the prevailing culture um, and that coast community church has not stood out uniquely as as being able to resist uh, consumer culture uh, we've not resisted that necessarily from a leadership perspective or a or a, a congregation perspective but COVID brought us to that place of saying, well, hang on, um, there, are, there are problems when we, look, when we look too much like the prevailing culture. Um, 
and we see something in the in the New Testament where where the young church in the New Testament uh, represented a, an altar culture, um, uh, a, a different social option, and so COVID has brought us to that place where we really we need to interrogate that mm. in how we're thinking about about church, mm. and so it's awesome that we get to explore this topic with Keith today. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting because in the conversation, it, the, the core conviction and core belief that rose to the surface was, was this. And you can look at, look at it from a few different ways, that, that as a body of believers, as a community, we are primarily a volunteer organisation. Yeah. Now, I know that kind of makes sense initially, but when you unpack that some more and you go, actually, it is about the priesthood of all believers, if you've heard that before. And all that means is that we're, we're actually all equal. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times we can professionalise ministry and understand that oh, there's people that are paid to do that. But that's not the case. The reality is that we each have a part. We're all on equal standing and God considers us all priests, mm. all people that are active in the mission of God, every one of us. From the youngest person to the oldest person, which is probably Jack here today, um, that we, we are all engaged in the mission of God as people who God considers priests, mm. pastors, followers of him. And so it was a very interesting conviction to rise to the surface that we're primarily a volunteer organisation that we want to see everyone involved and contribute. So we'll explore that in some way today. But mm-hmm. Keith, you, you have a really unique view on the church in Australia, I believe. You still currently mentor a lot of leaders and pastors all around the nation. And I'd be really keen to hear from your perspective, what have you seen in the church, maybe in Australia, as a result of this COVID time? What are some of the things you've picked up on? How long have we got? (laughs) (laughs) There's a a timer there. 22 minutes. We'll keep an eye on that. (laughs) I I guess one of the key things that leaders are sharing with me um, on, a, on a day-by-day basis is that um, we've drifted away from keeping the main thing the main thing, that things that are good um, in and of themselves as servants has to some extent been elevated to be masters so that, um, for instance, a, a, a fair proportion of people are saying to me um, the events-driven model of church needs to be reconsidered. Mm. There's a lot of churches that actually would have 60, 70, 80 percent of their resources, time and whatever goes into the event or events on the weekend and wondering whether that, for all of the value of worship, and you only have to look at God setting up worship in the Old Testament to see how crucial community worship is Mm. to us and to God. So it's not underplaying how... But if we slipped off the main thing and become events-driven in our model, then what is good as a servant is not a good master. So this is being considered um, across the board Mm. in in ways other than just the events-driven model. It's, um, it's interesting because we are picking up on themes that, that other pastors are really engaging with, and so it's good to pick up on those themes, absolutely. I don't know if you've, we've talked about this. We've even changed our language about what happens here on a Sunday. Um, we, we don't call this a church service. 
You might still see it as that, that's okay, but it really is a gathering. It's a gathering of the family of God. It's a gathering of people's part of Coast Community. We gather as a family and actually understand there's so much merit in just gathering. Like the church, the church is not a service provider. It isn't. We are a gathering. We are a family. We are a body of believers. You know, Coast Christian School, Matt, you're doing a great job there leading that. That's a great service provider to families. Awesome. A preschool at, at Berkeley Valley doing a great job. And um, you know what I mean? But the church that exists, like we are a community of people that gather. It's a big difference. And for us to understand, my hope is that even we see people from the youngest to the oldest, so even our kids to understand that as we gather, that I'm part of this, that this is actually a place where I belong. And it's, it's actually a place that I belong for my life. It's not just something I do when I'm a kid. It's actually, I'm here for life. I belong to a community of believers. And even if kids grow up and go to university in different spaces, the first thing that my hope is they look for is a church community to be a part of so they can gather as a family of God. So it's interesting, isn't it, that um, you were talking also, Keith, about um, you know, we're part of Church of Christ, if you didn't know that, the, a movement, church, Churches of Christ in New South Wales, sometimes known as Fresh Hope. And you were saying that you thought some of that main thing is that we're even getting back to even at the heart of what the movement of churches, Churches of Christ was about. Can you tell us about that? Very briefly, yes. Um, I was raised in a Christian home within Churches of Christ, and came to know that we are a restoration movement. Um, that actually dates from late 18th, 19th century in both America and England and came to Australia uh, a few years later. And it was to some extent following on from the Reformation and saying the Reformation was good but it didn't quite go far enough and that we just need to get back to New Testament Christianity so that, for instance, I can remember as a young tacker hearing this whole idea of the priesthood of all believers. Mm. Didn't know what it meant, couldn't <laughs> care what it meant, but that was often expressed. And what that really meant was there's no special class of people who are clergy. We're all called to minister. Yeah. And that that's expressed very strongly in, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 9 mm. where, where Paul talks about the fact that um, we're all called to be um, priests and it's also mentioned in 1 Peter 2 mm. um, that a priest who is somebody who puts, is in touch with God themselves and puts other people in touch with God, that that's all of us. There is a role of leadership and there is a role of pastoring, but in actual fact, that's not a different status. Mm. That's a function and that we're all together in that. So that doesn't mean that there can't be some people who are, um, for instance, paid for what they do, and that is where Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 says, after all, uh, we have families, we have needs, so those who work in the temple get their, pro their well-being from the temple. So it's not about whether you're paid or not uh, in terms of professional or non-professional. We are professional, in the, mm. but our profession is a profession of faith rather than of um, 
works or competence or so, even... So what we profess. That's what we profess, yeah. That's the basis of who we are. So that um, in those two areas, both the... Um, we're all together in this, and I, I hope I don't sound a bit hypocritical in <laughs> saying that because I've basically spent my life as a person who has been in Christian ministry paid mm. and also trained people to mm. be in. But there's no, there's no demarcation. It's a function, and the payment is um, from uh, a practical needs point of view, not a priority point of view. And therefore, um, there's no problem with being paid, there's no problem with being a pastor, providing we recognise that that is a function rather than a status. Yeah. And, and I, I, I love it um, where in, in the message translation, um, Paul's... Uh, Paul says in Romans 15, strength is for service, not status. Strength is for service, not status. Mm, that's good. I think in the church, uh, talking broadly, we've set up a model, I think, where it's something like this. You, you, you can come to faith and you grow in your faith. And if you're, serious, if you're really serious about your faith, the next step is to go to Bible college somewhere and train as a minister, so you can be paid somewhere in a church to do a functional role. There's something about that that I think um, during this time that's been exposed that that is not a healthy approach. Yeah, it, it, it's like it, it lets us off the hook. Lets us off the hook. Someone so else I, is paid to do I've that. Not, if I've not had this kind of training or have this particular kind of formal role, then it yeah. lets me off the hook to be participating in, in, in the mission of God. Yeah. Or I don't think I can because I don't know enough. Yeah. I wouldn't know all the questions, wouldn't know the answers, yeah. so I'm not qualified. Um, in fact, Steve Furtick wrote a great book called Unqualified. It's a great book. Um, let's be unqualified, but let's be really active in the mission of God as people because I think if we're not careful, we could staff every possible role in the church and all of a sudden there's people all over the place and then you know we're trying to fund that. It's, it's where we're primarily a volunteer organisation in, in making a family gathering happen but also in the mission of God. It's interesting when I look back, last year, it's interesting you mentioned those Bible verses, this was our focus. Can we put the Ephesians, oh sorry, the 1 Peter, sorry guys, 1 Peter. This was, our, this was our focus last year. Present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life in which you'll serve as holy priests offering Christ-approved lives up to God. That is very interesting that that was a focus for us pre-COVID. So, so God said, here we are, we are actually this vibrant sanctuary. We're a gathering that's vibrant. And from that, we'll present ourselves as priests, as people to go, here I am, God. I just want to be active in your mission, in your world. And then we go, actually, let's spread out our home and enlarge our house. And so they're very interesting core convictions that will shape how we do things from here. Where we go, actually, I want to participate in the mission of God. I have a role to play. I'll use my home as a primary place of discipleship, whatever that looks like, and let's spread it out from there. I mean, that continues. I love it. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work. That's you. That's you. You were chosen for this high calling of priestly work. That's you. 
If you're adopted in the family of God, you're a believer of Jesus, you're a follower of him, that is you. Pretty cool. And I like, I like that it's we're a chosen people, a chosen nation, yeah. not a chosen organisational structure. Yeah, there you go. Uh, with, 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 a, with a hierarchy. Yeah. You know, and even, even using the, um, the living stones um, picture, there is, a, there is only one special stone. Yeah. There, is a, there is only the cornerstone, yeah. and, the, and the rest of us are living stones, you know, yeah. in the construction yeah. of, of the temple. Based on the cornerstone. Based on, yeah. based on the cornerstone. He's he the head. Yeah. Um, he's the vine. We're the branches. Like, all of, yeah. those, all of those images kind of bring us all into the family as equals with Christ at the centre. Christ yeah. is the cornerstone. Christ is the, yeah. the vine. Keith, what would you say to someone who is, is struggling with that as a concept? Me? Really me? Like, I just look at other people. They look like they've got it all together. They look like they know much more. They've been a Christian longer than me. Um, what, have, what have I got to offer? What would you say to someone who was really feeling that, whether someone here, someone on, watching online? I guess the first thing I would say, have a look at the people Jesus chose as his disciples. Yep. Um, and they were... Everyday people, very pragmatic, down to earth, fishermen, whatever, um, yep. a wide range. I would say that the calling is for us all to be in ministry. And then, if there is uh, an opportunity and your ministry could um, expand or go deeper, then a just in time kind of um, Resourcing could happen. So uh, it's not a matter of people to become ministers. They go to a college and get their ticket and then graduate. I would love the idea that we're all in ministry and sometimes we need some extra knowledge or resourcing or whatever and we plug into that in order to allow our ministry to go deeper mm. and further. Mm. We, we got a really cool email yesterday from um, Bill and Joyce Phillips. They're, they're doing a little bit of a trip up around Gloucester. Mm. And Bill sent this email through. He said, we've just spent three days up... Sorry, Bill, I know that you didn't know I was going to read this. Um, <laughs> three days up near Gloucester, and while driving around town to have a look, I noticed the Uniting Church notice board. Wish I'd taken a photo of it. You'll have to rely on my memory. One of the main lines was, you picture these notice boards where, it's, where it says minister and then it would have the minister's name and it says minister, every member of the congregation is, what, is what's on the sign. <laughs> and he said, I thought that was a good reminder of the proper order of things. Yeah, isn't that great? Uh, it, is, it is every member. It's every person that's part of Coast Community and it's, it's all our kids as well. Like, like kids, you, you are so much a part of this family and you contribute to that. You make a difference and you, you bring something really special that us older people can't bring, that we can't, but you can. I mean, we were chatting about this week. This week Nick reminded us of the story where Jesus fed the 5,000. You know the story? How did Jesus do that? How did he do it? Who did he choose to use in that process? One of the youngest people in the community. In fact, we've got a, a little video here. Here's the story, kids. Here's a story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people and who he used. Check this out.
because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. A crowd started to gather around Jesus. There were 5,000 men and many more women and children. Turning to Philip, he asked, Hey, Philip! Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? You see, Jesus was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Um. Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Hey, I got an idea. Then Andrew spoke up, There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Jesus said, tell everyone to sit down. Back, everyone, sit down. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and gave them to the people. There you go. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. Want some more? I'm all good, thanks. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers, so that nothing is wasted. You got it! So they picked up the pieces and filled twelve baskets with scraps, left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves and two fish. What can we learn from that story? What do you reckon? What do we learn from that story? That we're all involved. We're all involved. All of us. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, thinking about this, um, what, what's, what's increasingly become part of our language too over the last couple of months is just this idea of mission. Yep. Um, and, and mission even supplanting ministry mm. in, in, in the way that we've been speaking about, about things. We're on mission. We are all participating in the, in the mission of God. And we see that in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that the mission of God is spelt out really clearly. It's the ministry of reconciliation, that God is reconciling all things to mm. himself through Christ. And now we've been given this, this ministry of, of reconciliation. Mm. We're, all, we're all engaging in, in little acts of reconciliation um, wherever, wherever the Lord ha, has placed us. And I think one of the interesting things about this ministry of reconciliation, there's two parts to it. And you can see it in that passage in 2 Corinthians 5. There's two parts to the ministry of reconciliation. Um, and the obvious one is we can see that we are called to be ambassadors. We are all called to be, um, to carry that message of, of reconciliation. You know, that's part of the, the great, great commission. Um, so we're agents. All of us are agents of this ministry of reconciliation. Um, but we are also objects of that mission. We are also things that need reconciling. Mm. So not only am I an agent of reconciliation um, and going out into the world as a, as a, as a, as a reconciling um, agent, <laughs> um, but I need reconciling. Yeah. And both of those things are, are needed. But it seems sometimes, though, that that agency to go into the world and be reconcilers feels like it can be removed from us. And so I can then just wrap my whole Christian life about being the object of reconciliation. 
that I'm the thing being reconciled. It's about my relationship with Jesus. It's about me managing my, my behaviour and my thought life and the things that I do. And, and, and I'm only on one side of the loop. Mm. Um, the other thing, the other side's also true, that we, we would throw ourselves into the work of reconciliation and we become justice warriors and go out into the world and, and we want to be a voice and an ambassador of reconciliation without paying attention to the fact that I need to be reconciled. Mm. And so it's like we can flap around on one wing. Mm. Um, going in circles. Going in circles. <laughs> so, I, so I think this idea of we are, we are all participants in, in the mission of God as, as things that need reconciling, as, as ones that re- need renewing, so that we go into the world as agents mm. of, of reconciliation. And that, that work has not, been, has not been just delegated, delegated to people with particular um, job descriptions or qualifications or, or, or roles. It's all of us. Yep, already qualified, already have a job description. Go and make disciples who make new disciples. Keith, this... This core conviction where we're primarily a volunteer organisation, where it is the priesthood of all believers, that we all play a part and are involved in the... What would you hope to see in the church in Australia as a result of us grabbing hold of that going forward? What, how, how would it look different? What is it you'd want to see in the church in Australia with that as a core conviction? Okay. Again, how long have we got? <laughs> Three minutes? No. Um, I'd, I'd say the major issue is for us to be reconciled personally and to know the love and grace of God deeply and every day thankfully within our own lives but humbly so that we recognise we're all redeemed rat bags. Mm. We really are. Yep. There's, 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 we can hold our heads up but it's because of what God has done. Yeah. Um, and therefore there's a redemption inside us and it needs to keep on going so that there's ongoing repentance and confession. And if we are experiencing that deeply, then we live in the love and grace of God and God then calls us to be those colours and those flavours in an inward-outward kind of model where it starts within us and it goes into our closest family and closest friendships yeah. and then it goes into a church and then it goes into a community and what our community is crying out for today is agents of reconciliation through love and grace mm. and if we can be those colours and those flavours I think the whole mission of the church will become much more powerful than it has been. What a great picture. What a great challenge. Can we be that? Can we be those colours and flavours of love and grace in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever God places you and me, understanding that we're all part of this? Jeff, what is it that you'd want to see? If we grabbed hold of this, even at Coast Community, what is it that you'd want to see? How would you describe that? Yeah, I've I've been thinking about this and in some ways I want to to wait and see what what the Holy Spirit reveals yeah. um, about some of this. Certainly, I think that there, there is... We, we, we need to make eye contact with the fact that we are all consumers, 
right? We've, that's, that's the soup that we've grown up in. We've been incredi mm. incredibly well-trained to, to, to consume, um, to, to see things as value propositions. Mm. Am I going to spend my money, my time, my effort, my energy for what return, for what reward? And if we're not careful, we can place that same um, value proposition consumer mentality on how we think about um, about church and about church services and about the Christian life. And I almost think that the first thing is just, Lord, give me eyes to see. Mm. Show, show me, Lord, to what, to what degree, where is it that I'm bringing um, the, these rhythms and patterns of the world from a, from, a cons from a consumer culture and then imposing that on the body of Christ and how I would understand Mm. Sunday gatherings, how I would understand mission and, mm. and ministry. And, and I think as Keith said, like there's, there's an element to that which is just how it is, mm. but somewhere it tips over into being a compromise and, and, in, and into being destructive. Um, we need to pay attention to that from a leadership perspective. Like I'm really convicted in what ways when we would create a Sunday service, are we perpetuating mm. and contributing to a, a consumer mentality? And, I, and I'm like, Lord, just give me eyes to see where we're, where, where we're the problem mm. in, in that regard. So it's how do we see it? Can, can we have the instruments and the awareness to see where consumer culture is flavouring mm. how we understand life and faith and church? It's good. I mean, that's why I like that clip of the feeding the 5,000. He's this young child who brings what they have. Um, that, probably his day looked different than when he woke up that morning. Like, there's something different out there. We've got eyes to see, and we bring what we have. Uh, you've probably heard me say before, I want to do the best I can with what I have. Because what I have changes from energy, time, resources, whatever, but I want to bring what I have and offer it to others and participate in the mission of God. That's a cool disposition to wake up every morning. And all of us, all of us have something that God has given us to give for the benefit of other people. And we're all in it together. We all have a part. This is what I want to see. Um, can I read this as we close? This is the vision of our church. It comes from Ephesians 4. Can we throw that Ephesians passage up, guys? It says this. Uh, this is where our vision comes from, right? End result. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And that is verse 16. He makes the whole body, the whole body, every person, from the youngest to the oldest, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. In fact, if we don't embrace what God's given us and participate in what God's called us to do, we're absolutely not going to be the body that God sees us to be. We're fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Man, we need each other to grow. We need each other to have an influence in our community. We need each other so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's our vision. Right now at Coast Community, we have 225 partners. That's 225 people that have said, I choose to participate in the mission of Coast Community. 
which is partnering with Jesus to build up his church. We've got 225 people. My hope is that we see many more. If you're not sure what partnership is, jump on our website. It's really just saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. I belong in this community of people, and I want to partner with the mission that's happening here. What would it look like? I'm preaching to the converted in a lot of ways, but if we embrace that and we grew that, if we all participated significantly in whatever ways, from the smallest to the largest of what God's called us to do, we would have a profound impact in the mission of God. We would see people coming to faith. We'd see people getting baptised and declaring their faith. And we'd see more and more people helping others understand the love of grace of God and becoming followers of Jesus. Bring that on. Let's do that together. That's what I see. And so I think that's our call. That's our challenge. That's who we are. Coast Community is on mission. And we're developing a mission model that says, let's do this together. We're absolutely all in it together. So let's do that. Um, Keith, closing comments. What, what can you close for us or with us? I just wonder whether I could read um, the first two or three verses of Romans 12 and I think one or other have mentioned this before I think this yeah. is what um, we're being called to in terms of restoration so here's what I want you to do God helping you take your everyday ordinary life your sleeping, eating going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well, so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Mm. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of imm immaturity, God brings the best out of you develops well-formed maturity in you. Let's do that. Let's do that. Can I hear an amen? amen? Come on, can I hear an amen like we started with? Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. amen. Cool, let me pray. Father, I thank you that you know us so personally and intimately. Jesus, I thank you that, that you stepped into this world, that you were on mission. And God, I thank you that as we follow you, Lord, that you call us, you invite us into mission with you, just like those 12 young disciples. Lord, you invited them to step in and participate. And God, we want to in a fresh way, I want to in a fresh way, just say yes to that, God. I pray, God, that you'd lead us in that personally. Help us to follow you. Help us to actually make a difference in all the places that we are. Lord, from our homes, help us to spread out homes out and be those God flavours and God colours. God, help us to actually be agents of love and grace to people around us. Help us to be leaders of that, God. And Lord, I pray that as Coast Community, that we could be a community of people that understand in a very deep way, from the youngest to the oldest, God, that we participate together and that we gather together so that we can be on mission. And God, I pray you'd open our eyes, you'd show us where to go, you'd show us what you've given us and what we have in our hands and our hearts. And God, we wanna offer that. And just like that young boy in the feeding the 5,000, God, I pray that you'd take what we offer 
and that you'd spiritually multiply it. Lord, that you would take what we have and it would make a difference for your glory. Lord, I pray that we would see us as disciples, seeing other people become followers of you. Lord, I pray that right now for anyone here today in this room or online watching, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, a day where there's this revelation in a spirit that I'm loved by Jesus and that I, yes, I have an invitation to follow Jesus and I want to say yes. So God, we praise you. We thank you for all you're doing. I pray that you'd be at deep work in us and powerful work through us, all for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name.